We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 371. Guest today first appeared on the Equestrian Podcast with a different last name. She's now married, and she was on episode 113 in the winter of 2020. Much has changed since then, including her new name, and she married FEI four-star Judge Lee Tubman in 2021. So since we last spoke, our guest has continued to make a name for herself in dressage with top finishes at international venues, including Aachen World Equestrian Festival and appearances on the FEI Nations Cup United States dressage team. So she joins us now to talk how she maintains her competitive edge, both personally and with her horses, as well as whether or not balance actually exists in the equestrian industry, a question I am always asking and always contemplating. So without further ado, please welcome our guest today, Sarah Tubman. Hi, Sarah. Hi. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, we first connected um, back in 2020, and obviously so much has changed since then. Can you fill us in on some of your accomplishments since we last spoke? Yes, it's been a busy few years. <laughs> um, we have specifically Apple and I have been growing together now in the Grand Prix ring. And uh, we have been fortunate enough to have traveled through to Europe now twice. Um, twice we've been invited to ride at Aachen. This oh. last time we were able to be on our first Nations Cup team for the United States over at Aachen. Um, we were so close to um, going to the World Cup last year. We were the first reserve rider, and we were also the reserve rider for the World Equestrian Games. So we have had lots of ups and equal amount of downs and lots of learning along the way. Um, And now we have qualified and have made the team for the 2023 Pan American Games. Wow, that's so exciting. That's really exciting. It's uh, childhood dreams coming true. I have to pinch myself pretty much daily. Seriously. Well, we're headed into the fall months, which means winter circuit is literally right around the corner. I, I know you and your husband spend the winter in Florida for the competitive dressage season down there. When do you begin preparation? I know you're there now. When do you really kind of begin to prepare for this uh, upcoming season? Yeah, so that's been um, really interesting in the last few years since we have made the shift and now are in Florida, because in the past I had been in California full time. And California, as we know, rains a lot in the winter and we're not exactly built for the weather. So the seasons, the show seasons flip flop. Mm -hmm. Um, So now we spend, um, we do spend a few months in the summer in Europe. So that kind of extends our season, our winter season. And then um, we really try make sure that all the horses get some downtime. And that's almost impossible to do because for some reason, it seems like they 
always placed the championships, Young Riders, Festival of Champions, you know, like this, the Pan American Games, kind of smack in the middle of where you would want to give a horse some downtime. So we always look at the calendar really closely and make sure not only to set up enough time for the horses to build and peak at the correct time, um, but also they get enough downtime because that's really easy to miss when you live here in Florida and mm -hmm. there's a horse show almost every weekend, even through the summer. Mm -hmm. um, so, so again, we kind of, every horse is really individual. We come up, we sit down with all of our clients, um, the horse owners and the, the clients that ride also. And we look at the calendar ahead and basically work backwards from what Whatever the goals are and then plan tentatively plan shows and uh lee and i are really big into doing mock shows for our clients and also for myself um where we take even my personal horses and clients horses and we braid them and we dress them up and we go to a friend's farm and warm up in one ring and show in the other Love um so it's a way a financially doable way and also a way to kind of play with stuff you've worked on in the ring um without being worried about being judged wow. <laughs> only judged by uh, our judge himself lee tubman <laughs> yeah oh i love that that's such a good idea um yeah. how do you kind of stay in you know you giving yourself some downtime and then preparing kind of peaking at the at the right moment or feeling like you are mentally and physically and emotionally where you need to be in the right time because that, that that's just as difficult too yeah you know if it was up to me that would not be a thing I would work 24 7 um I'd sleep in the horse's stalls so I could get up and do totally. it earlier yeah <laughs> so I have to say I really have to thank my husband for kind of forcing uh somewhat of normalcy on me here and there <laughs> so we do really try take days off during the week and do things like leave our phones at home and at least take the dogs to the beach for a couple hours mm -hmm. um and honestly the other time that's a little bit of a refresh or a reset for us is those few months we get to spend in germany um, we only take a couple horses and we don't take a groom normally. So it's just him and I with the horses. And then we, we ride in the morning and then basically go kind of sightsee and, and explore Europe in the afternoon. So even wow. though we're technically there like for intense training, we kind of carve time out for ourselves. And I have to say the last two years, that summertime away has been so nice because then you come home and we have a full barn, you know, we have 20 horses in training. Um, so it's go, go, go basically right when we get back home. Totally. Yeah. Well that, yeah, that must be nice for you to kind of like have that season where it's still, the work is still intense, but that you really have that time to kind of feel like you're, you're living a little bit of a vacation mode. Yeah, it's really important. You know, I have to say when I was younger and starting my business, I, you know, kind of, well, I still feel guilty, but I felt really guilty and then and then wouldn't take any time for myself. Right. Now, I don't know, I'm kind of crazy. So to be honest, I've never really felt burned out. I like love the sport and I love the horses and I would eat sleep and breathe it. But, you know, it's in order to be mentally your best when you're riding and clear headed um, and fresh, it, it really is important. So between taking time for yourself, and then also I work with a great uh, mental coach, that's been really helpful too, just to kind of keep everything clear in my mind. I think that's really important. I think that's something that 
Um, a lot of young professionals, I know we don't ever take enough time for ourselves, but if you really talk to a lot of the the top riders in almost any, well, in any sport and in probably in any country, everybody does make sure to take care of themselves mentally and, and mm-hmm. normally has a sports psychologist or a mental coach. So, you know, I think that's really important. Absolutely. How do you feel like your training program progresses over the next few months in order to get into that peak performance? When is your, when is your next kind of significant competition and and kind of walk me through what that looks like now until then? So we actually leave for the Pan American games in two weeks. Wow. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's really exciting. Leading up to that, I think something that I've learned over the years, being fortunate enough to ride in some really big championships um, and kind of feel that pressure is to kind of not let it get to your head. Um, and it's really, really important not to look around at what everybody else is doing. Because at the end of the day, you really know your horse. So I know my horse at this point, he's super fit. He knows his job. It's just about fine tuning. It's about making sure his body feels good and that he's happy in the work. So, I mean, sometimes you'll show up to these events and, you know, I plan on giving my horse a couple tack walk days or he's going to have a day off where I literally don't get on his back. And you, it's hard not to look around and go, oh my God they're schooling. Oh, they're schooling again. They've mm-hmm. schooled a second time today. Mm-hmm. Wait a second. Maybe I should be doing something more. So I think at the end of the day, you really have to know your horse. And again, I will have to say that the one thing that we've done is these like mock shows where we fashion our week to help the horse feel its best and still be fresh by let's say on Friday, we're going to go and do that test. So that's been very helpful too, because every horse is different, you know, on what days are the off days and what days are the harder training days and how many days before you need them to peak does that happen? But um, again, at this level, these horses, I know their job. So it's really about keeping them physically happy and mentally happy and, and happy to do the job. Totally. As a hunter jumper rider and trainer my whole life, um, I, you obviously like kind of learn how to do things one way and the, within the disciplines, especially at the top of the sport, it really is, it's like an entirely different sport. You know, when you go discipline to discipline and I have talked about this quite a few times on the podcast. Um, but I am like, I think I'm like, a closeted dressage rider. Like I <laughs> feel like in my next life, I will be a dressage rider um, or still, or maybe in this life too. Who knows? There you go. Um, yes, but I love, I love it. I've literally only ridden a dressage horse once or twice when it oh. was like two of like, my favorite rides. Like, like, you know, it's just so, so cool. Um, anyway, I'm always like super interested on how dressage can influence performance in hunter and jumper rings because obviously the importance of balance and connection and lateral work you know really does extend across multiple disciplines so as we prepare for the hunter jumper winter season what would you recommend some exercises that we could borrow from your dressage training program 
Well, it's funny you say that. So I don't know if you guys know, but I'm an ex-eventer. So I, I, yeah, so I've evented through advanced. I've run a three star. I've done, I, I haven't done hunter specifically, but I have done jumpers, done the four foot jumpers with my, with my eventing horses. So I've worked quite a bit with eventers and some jumpers um, that are willing sometimes, you know, I'll get the odd person to ask me for some help. But I'd say when you really watch, anybody at the top um you watch a super jumper round you watch a really nice hunter equitation round i mean at the end of the day they're doing dressage between fences so you guys need to be able to lengthen your horse's stride shorten your horse's stride move them over to the left move them over to the right you know if they take off perfectly straight and equally on both hind legs then they are able to bascule over the jump and and really show off you know equal knees you know horses that hang a knee well it's a mechanical reason why they're doing it they're twisting they're not taking Mm -hmm. off evenly off of both hind legs you know they're uneven in the contact so um as much as i know uh, there's quite a few jumpers or hunters that that it's a little bit uh maybe that's not their first thing they'd like to go do is take a flat lesson from one of us um i think there's lots of exercises can help can help you know so just simply transitions within the gate and trying to make them as smooth and as on call as possible Mm -hmm. leg yielding is a great exercise you're going to use that when you need to you know shift over to the left or over to the right to center yourself in a fence or you know that leg yielding also really helps keep a horse equal in the contact and I think as far as top performance and biomechanics for a horse in any sport any discipline western hunters jumpers eventing the list goes on um, we need to really think about how we can make our horses biomechanically use themselves the best because in my experience when we get the horses working through their body equally they stay sounder longer and they're less hard on their legs and you will see less injuries to lower limbs and less maintenance being needed to lower limbs when they're really using their body to the to the max potential. So that's another reason why I love dressage. And when I started off, I was not so lucky to ride such incredible international horses. I rode Mustangs and Thoroughbreds mm. and rescue horses. And I mean, Pintos, I actually memory on Facebook <laughs> came up the other day of me riding riding a Pinto about seven years ago um, in our championship. So, you know, it was always a um, kind of fun thing for me to get a horse and see how I could maximize their gates and maximize their way of going. And uh, I guess the fancy word for that is dressage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've talked a lot about saddles and saddle fit on the podcast just because it's so important that you are using a saddle that really fits you and your horse, but especially your horse. It really does make or break the comfort level and the ability for the horse to perform at their best. And then having something that fits you is also really important for you guys to really work as a team. I love Voltaire Design. I've been wearing and using their saddles for probably over three years now. And I just think they have so many great qualities to them. They are a French made saddle. I ride in the Palm Beach, which is one of their classic jumping saddles. And I just love how flexible it is. It's one of the only flexible trees out there on the market. And it really allows for the horse's shoulder to stay really open, which I think is super important. 
If you want more information, visit their website to just learn about all of the design and innovation and performance that Voltaire Design can allow. So many top riders use Voltaire, and I feel like that really speaks for itself. So for more info, visit their website at voltairedesign.com. That's V-O-L-T-A-I-R-E design.com. Also want to mention that there is a limited special on 16-inch saddles, so make sure that you ask your local Voltaire saddle specialist about the deals on 16-inch saddles. All right, let's get back to the episode. I imagine that staying at the top of your game consistently can feel challenging and you know, oftentimes in the sport, it feels like we are always working with kind of like what you were alluding to or always maybe uh, it's it's so hard not to kind of like look left and right and compare and do what other people are doing for the sake of, you know, being the same as them or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, how do you kind of balance that? Do you think you're able to keep a balance between your competitive career, health, personal life? How do you kind of know at what point that you can just say like, no, or let's take a step back or, you know, let's, let's trust our process. What is that process like for you? Yeah. So as far as keeping um, my life balanced, well, I'm definitely not good at it all the time. Right. (laughs) So it's a constant, it's a constant challenge. Um, And I think it's really important to have a team around you that kind of helps you with that. Um, I'm, I'm a doer, you know, so it's really hard for me not to stay late at the barn and help the girls and help finish and hand walk horses Mm -hmm. or help wrap and that kind of stuff. And my husband will sometimes look at me and be like, they know what they're doing. Let them do their job. You know, so (laughs) part of it is I like that and I like to be involved, but you know, so much of this is building the team around you. And at the end of the day, we have this funny saying that we're like the mafia and in the way we're like the mafia is we're a family that protects each other. Mm -hmm. So, um, I really think between the girls that work for me and even our, Oh, you know, we have a very small amount of clients. And then my husband and I, you know, we're, we're really good at looking out for everyone. So, you know, you will see one of the girls is struggling a little bit or they're tired. It's been hot vice versa. They see that with us. And, and I think that's where you really have to lean on your team to say, you know, to have someone look at you and be like, you need to leave. You need to go take the afternoon off. Yeah. Get out of here, you know? So again, that's big on the team. And I think um, going to the other side of your question and saying how, do you not compare and look around? I mean, the hard part nowadays is everything is on social media. You know, we all post our best moments and our best horses and not the bad rides. And, you know, it's difficult because of, of not everybody is very positive. So I don't think that it's going to change because I'm not sure as heck not posting a bad ride. (laughs) I don't need that kind of stress in my life for the people that aren't going to be supportive, to be honest. So, um, you know, I think that's where, again, you have to build a wall of a team around you. And we're really, really fortunate to have a team of people on our side, in our corner. And that's what helps us trust the process. And we, we do, we have a saying is trust the training and trust the process. So we'll have a bad ride or one of us, a horse not be so good. They're not machines, you know, so this happens. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's when you really have to have that person next to you that you trust, which, you know, I'm very fortunate to have my husband as my coach, because 
it brings in a def- a different and a much deeper level of of trust um where you know I have no question that he wants what's best for me and the horses right. and for me to do my best and there's no ulterior motive and there's there's nobody else you know talking to him in his ear or I mean I guess I would know about it and vice versa with my clients that that's kind of what we hope to be for them so and you know we all have a different way of doing things every horse has a certain way that they need things done um so it's not that you don't want to actually look around and learn from people that you really look up to um but i think at the end of the day you do have to have your way and trust that process and you know that's where we're very fortunate to have clients that trust us and our process not only with you know taking up top horses but also bringing their horses along totally and i i know that like i i definitely talk about balance and 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 work life balance and all of those things on the podcast quite often but the reality of it is with what we do i think that that balance is a different standard as what maybe most people yeah. talk about work life balance it's just Probably. different you know like yeah. there it gets to a point where it's like this is i mean we are caring and coming alongside our partners that are, you know, don't speak our language and we have to be advocates for them. And, you know, like you're also trying to like get yourself in, in peak performance and in multiple ways, like we discussed earlier. And so it's like, they obviously need to be cared for. It's just such a unique sport where like, where I really do think it's like work life balance, but like equestrian (laughs) yeah which is it's just it's just a different type of balance you have to you have to put in the hours and you have to put in the time and it's just it's not it's never going to be a nine to five no for sure not and I think the other side of that too is where it's different when we use the word work I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure most of us like I mean, I don't even think it's fair we call it work. You know, know. this is also our hobby and our passion. And yeah, it is still work, but I think that's the thing. So I always try like what we do to, um, I think the closest thing you can get is like a top football player, top basketball player, you know, anyone at the top of their sport. I mean, you listen to all of like what Michael Phelps went through when he um, was training for all the Olympics, right? I mean, he was training for how many hours a day? And then Mm -hmm. when he's not training, he's still watching videos and eating right and taking Mm -hmm. care of his body. So, um, you know, I think that this for me is always a little challenging to explain to people. I have quite a few um, the younger up and coming generations that want to do this as a profession. And there is a very clear line between people who are built for this to do this really the right way, and people who want to play, you know, and I, I think what's sometimes not fair is it's not fair for the horses for you to want one thing, but then not be kind of willing to put in the effort. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm pretty sure you talk again, it was not just to me, but any any of us top equestrian athletes and all of us are going to be like, well, get ready to put in some hours. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, I know you were talking about, you alluded to social media um, and how it's definitely, and as we can all attest, definitely tends to be a bit of a highlight reel, but you are 
I feel like really good at, you post some great content and important reminders on your social media. I remember one of your posts um, from last month encourages followers to remember to have fun, which I think is a great reminder and something that we all can sometimes stray away from or or forget. Um, For someone like yourself who performs at such a high level, how do you continue to keep it fun? You know, I like, I have fun every time I sit on one of those horses. I mean, like, I don't know how I can ride a horse like First Apple or like my newest horse Smarties and not like smile and have a blast. I mean, when you sit on a horse, it's that talented. That's just giving you your all and you're trying with every little fiber of your body to do it the right way. And then you get something right, even if it's those five seconds. I mean, that's so fun. The best and I feeling. think that's the thing is if you really, yeah, to be built or made for this sport in particular, like you do, you do have to find it fun. And the other hard part is the, the downs, you know, the downs in training, the downs in competition. I mean, it's going to be like every week, if not when we ride 10 horses a day, every day, something is down. (laughs) There's no way every day is up. Right. (laughs) So you almost have to enjoy that part too. And, you know, again, I'm going to go back to, I'm really lucky to do this every day with my husband because I get, you know, he coaches me, but we ride together. Sometimes I help him and then he brings in the judges point of view also. And so some, some days, those bad days will either video each other or I'll, then I'll say, no, you get on, no, you try and I'll video him. And we literally go sit in the office and discuss it and hash it out and say, all right, let's come up with the next exercise. That's going to help this horse. Or how do we need to think about this differently? Or, you know, who do we need to call and ask for bits or equipments or vets, you know? So that is actually fun also figuring out each horse as an individual and having that, that down that everybody talks about actually be quote unquote fun. Mm. So that's fun to me. I mean, man, every time we're at a line of amazing one tempies, that's fun to me. Um, You know, I'm an ex eventer. So we also go out and hack and we jump a little bit. So that's always fun when it's something a little bit different. So, Mm. and we always call it like showcation. I love going to horse shows. I mean, I think that's a blast. It's so fun. So I'm very fortunate again to do what I love and I couldn't even imagine not doing it. So um, yeah, I think I live everyday fun. (laughs) Definitely. I think the perspective part is huge and it's just one of those lifestyles that you at some point, like if you don't love it there, you're going to hit a wall, (laughs) you know, you still hit a wall, even when you love it, you know, you have those hard days, whether you love it or don't love it. So having that, um, that's like that deep rooted passion and love for the sport is absolutely, I think what, what keeps you going because it's such a, it's also such a marathon sport. Like you're not, you're, you are striving for, for things that are far down the road and you have to, you know, sometimes what maybe some people would think is just kind of like mundane every day, do like putting in the work and doing the grind. It's, um, it, it sometimes, and, and that's sometimes a season in your equestrian life that, that you can kind of look ahead to the bigger picture, but, um, it's never like a, a big sprint. It's always, it's always kind of like the long game and yeah. the preparation. And like you were talking about earlier, working back towards goals. And, and that's, that's what it's all about. Yes, exactly. What would you say is something that you're passionate about in the industry that you feel people either don't talk a lot about or don't know enough about? You know, one thing I'm really passionate about is um, 
developing horses. Um, you know, I have these goals for myself to, you know, continue to represent the United States in these games situation and internationally. Um, and, you know, we've sat down with a lot of other top riders and, and breeders and just other people in the industry. And at the end of the day, the Europeans are not going to sell us their best horses that are going right. And if they do, you know, I mean, I don't know, I don't have a spare $10 million laying around, <laughs> so it's just not possible. Um, so one thing I'm really passionate about is beautifully developing top horses. So I'm really fortunate right now to have a really exciting string of horses, a couple seven-year-olds, and then a few Grand Prix horses that we're bringing along. And it's, that is something I'm extremely passionate about is finding talent um, and then developing them in a really fair way, but also finding what is the quickest, most stress or less, least amount of stress, quickest right. <laughs> way to developing a Grand Prix horse. Um, and, you know, when I was over in Europe, one of the things that was so mind boggling was to watch at horse show after horse show, people like Isabel Wirth and Dorothy Snyder come out with horse after horse mm. after horse. And they're not all, oh my God, amazing horses, but those ladies know how to make a Grand Prix horse. Right. And when you sit there and you watch their developing Grand Prix, their young horse Grand Prix classes, those horses are better than our A string horses here. Mm. So I I think that was something this last couple years that I really now am focused on is, you know, I want to be one of them. I, I want to make Grand Prix horses right. um, and and specifically make them. Um, you know, no, it doesn't mean I need to buy them as a foal or a three-year-old, you know, it's talking about how much gamble we want to take, but, mm -hmm. but, you know, a younger horse and really imprint them and bring them along. It's a, it's a really special thing to do. I've had the the joy of doing it a few times and I, I really want to continue doing it. And I really think that that's something that everybody in our industry that's looking at, at this sport, um, should be more focused on if possible. Not to mention the like special, like extra close relationship that I feel like you develop with a horse when you're starting with it young. Um, I just feel like there's something special watching um, a horse and rider that have been in a partnership together for, for years and years versus, you know, a brand new partnership where you're still working at some kinks, trying to figure out some communication. Um, yes. but yeah, I think it's always so special that you, you just like know your horse from the inside out and, and kind of like have had all that time to really get to know any quirk or any, you know, anything yeah, like that. Exactly. And then you can protect them too, mm -hmm. you know, even if I, you know, did have that money available, okay, it'd be pretty tempting. Um, but I mean, then sometimes you get those horses, and then they've been through a lot. Um, so it's, it's kind of exciting to get a really talented horse that just has like raw talent, and you can protect them like physically and mentally as you bring them along. Um, and that's what makes those horses really special. And again, you see this going on in Europe over and over again with all the top riders. They That's what they're doing. So at the end of the day, all of us need to be less lazy and be willing to ride a younger horse. And it does take time. But, but um, that's really, in my opinion, that is the way for the United States to get back on that top, top podium is we've got to make our own horses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I think that that's a great point and something that we 
should continue to talk about. I think I think that's also across disciplines too. Um, you see that in the in the top of the show jumping world too. Yeah. Um, that yeah. In order for us to kind of make our way um, to the podium in that respect too is. Um, is developing more here as much as we can. And, uh, you know, it's, it's more expensive sometimes to train here. So there's that (laughs) dynamic as well, but yeah, it's, I I think it's important for our sport. I agree. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time and coming back on and sharing what's been going on. It's so exciting. And I'm so excited to continue to watch your journey. Um, Maybe when I'm in Wellington this winter, I can come over to Global and check you guys out right across the street. But um, thank you again for taking the time and I wish you all the best. Yes, thank you again. Thanks so much for having me. It's always a joy to talk to you guys. And if anybody ever wants to follow me, you can follow me on social media on Instagram at SL Dressage um, or on Facebook. And I'll be posting lots of updates as we get ready and go to the Pan American Games and through all of our exciting adventures this winter. So again, thank you so much for having me and hope to talk to you again soon. All right, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much and I will talk to you next week.